Welcome to She's Off the Damn Chain with your girl, Miss Show Me the Light. Come on in. Enjoy. Hello, 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 everyone. This is your girl, Miss Show Me the Light. Welcome back to She's Off the Damn Chain. This is episode six. You must think I'm a fool. Today's quote is, the struggles along the way are only meant to shape you for your purpose. I'll say it again. The struggles along the way are only meant to shape you for your purpose. Today's quote comes from Chadwick Bozeman. Rest in peace, Wakanda forever. <laughs> okay. Um, the fact of the day. Today's fact of the day comes from Black Facts on YouTube. Today is October 6, 2021. On this day in 1949, inventor Lonnie Johnson was born. Growing up in the days of legal segregation, Johnson attended Williamson High School, an all-Black facility, where despite his precarious intelligence, and creativity, he was told not to aspire beyond a career as a technician. He earned his master's degree in nuclear engineering from Tuskegee University and went on to work for the U.S. Air Force and the NASA program. He is probably best known for inventing the super soaker water gun. Yeah, I said it, y'all. All those hours of fun spent outside wetting each other up he a black man is responsible for inventing the super soaker water gun the inspiration hit him while he was working on an eco-friendly heat pump johnson holds more than 250 patents and was awarded the air force achievement medal and the air force commendation medal he received several awards from nasa for his work in spacecraft system design at the jet Propulsion Laboratory. You can learn more about Black Facts at www.blackfacts.com or follow them on YouTube at Black Facts. Okay, y'all. Now, everybody knows I love me some Jennifer Lewis. She's a part of a new documentary called Finding Kendrick Johnson. Now, I'm going to play y'all a clip just to see how y'all are feeling, just to see, like, to gauge your feelings for real because this threw me for a loop. I don't know where I had been hiding, maybe under a rock or what, or maybe it's just because we're so bombarded with so many stories, so many sad stories, but um, I'm going to let you listen and y'all tell me how y'all feel. This clip I have is of Jennifer Lewis discussing the documentary on MSNBC with Joy Reid. She says it's the hardest thing she's ever done. Let's go. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. To sit I can imagine and talk about them taking this boy's organs and killing him. I can only imagine. Let's play a little clip of the documentary for those who are watching. A five foot ten kid decided to go head first into a six foot mat. Then realized after he was stuck that he was gonna die down there. And then he died down there, stuck. Somehow silently, with a gym full of kids playing basketball and changing classes around him. 
Then his shoes magically appeared on the top of his body. Inside the mat shoved into the hole. His legs became twisted in the mat. There are so many discrepancies in this case. The original finding that he died of accidental asphyxiation versus the finding that it was blunt force trauma. The organs being missing. There's so much here. Now, the filmmakers are saying they found new evidence. What can people expect to learn from this documentary that we didn't already know? Well, that it was just a cover-up. Mitch Credo, the whistleblower, who was sent from D.C. to investigate this case, acquired enough evidence that a judge gave permission for an all-out raid into these people's home, the Bell's home. Now, that's a lot of evidence for a judge to give permission to storm someone's house. What happened? What happened after that? They pushed it all under the rug. This is one of the biggest tragedies I've ever heard, that they took that baby's organs, murdered him, and then took his organs. They exhumed the body and found that the child had been stuffed with newspaper. This family has to live with that. And I'm here to tell you right now, I am going to fight for justice for Kendrick Johnson's family until that case is open. We are calling on Biden, the Congress, the Senate, to open this case now that we have this evidence. Let me play one more clip because I want people to hear the parents um, of Kendrick. Um, here, are the, who's called KJ, his, his nickname. Um, here are his parents as part of this documentary. How would you feel if your son went to school and never came home, never returned home, and then the next day you found out he was rolled up in a gym mat? My thing is to um, let people know that they have a voice. They don't have to be silent. They don't have to be scared to fight no more. They can speak out. They killed the wrong child this time. We ain't going nowhere. Nowhere. My baby life matter. This this case, uh, you know, is one of the most disturbing I have to say that I've ever heard about the, the sense that there's a cover up, the sense that it's a much bigger case than we've even been led to believe in the beginning. You said you've called on the Justice Department. OK, y'all. So as I stated before, that clip was Jennifer Lewis discussing the documentary on MSNBC with Joy Reid. The documentary is called Finding Kendrick Lamar. It will be available on YouTube as well as Amazon Video. Myself personally, I will be tuning in so that I can give my full opinion on the documentary. But um, just from listening to those clips and watching here in the studio, I have goosebumps. I am blown away by this. I couldn't imagine my son going to school and not coming home. And then I get a call saying he's been rolled up in a gym mat and his organs have been taken all while people were in the gym where he was and no one heard or knew anything. I'm just taken aback. I'm almost lost for words. It's so crazy because this is nothing new. This has been going on for hundreds of years. But the internet 
and social media has blown the Black Lives Matter movement up so much that there's no place you can hide. Listen, I don't want to hide. Let me just say, I wake up black every day. I can't take the skin off. I can't change it. Not only am I black, I am a dark-skinned woman. So I can't hide from the Black Lives Matter movement. I am the movement. (laughs) But it's so overwhelming. These stories happen so often that it, it just blows your mind. I remember being on the radio a few years back. And at this point, I was covering all news, not just black news. I was covering uh, current events. I was also covering things that were going on in the media. And I find that every other story was starting to be a Black Lives Matter story, a sad uh, situation where citizens were shot or killed or hurt by the police or taken down by some white person and that person is not found guilty, they're freed and everything is good. I just found myself overwhelmed and found myself angry inside. So much so that I had to cut myself off of social media, take myself off for a while because it was, I felt like I was suffocating. I felt like I could not breathe. I was looking around every corner, worrying if my son was next, worrying if I was next. It was causing me to have severe paranoia. And not that I live under a box or in a shoe now, but I totally missed Kendrick Johnson's story. I totally missed it. So I will be tuning in. I will be trying to understand what happened. I hope that the administration does stand behind these people and help them open their case back up. Not only open it back up, but give it, give, give it a chance and actually, actually find whoever's guilty, guilty. Because even though a lot of times these families, they get, uh, they get some kind of money or, you know, for the death of their child or their loved one. What is your child worth? How much should she get? Because I can't think of that price. If someone came to me and posed today, how much is my child worth? I couldn't tell them. So I think that's something we definitely need to think about, something that you guys definitely need to go watch if you can handle it and stand up and say something because it takes all of our voices to make a change, to make a difference. And I appreciate all the celebrities starting to stand up and use their voices. We need more of that because change will never come unless we stand together. So thank you so much for all y'all have done. Okay, guys, so this next story that I saw, it enraged me, but didn't surprise me. I got this from CNN via Paris. Members of the Catholic clergy in France sexually abused an estimated 216,000 minors over the past seven decades, according to a damning report published Tuesday that said church had prioritized the protection of the institution over victims who were urged to stay silent. The number of abused minors rise to an estimated 330,000 
when including victims of people who were not clergy but had other links to the church, such as a Catholic school and youth programs. Between 2,900 and 3,200 abusers were estimated to have worked in French Catholic churches between 1950 and 2020. Out of a total of 115,000 priests and other clerics, the report found. The Catholic Church is the place where the prevalence of sexual violence is at the highest, other than in family and friend circles, said the report, which found that children were also more likely to be abused within the church settings than in state-run schools or summer camps. Faced with this scrouge for a very long time, the Catholic Church's immediate reaction was to protect itself as an institution, and it has shown complete, even cruel indifference to those having suffered abuse. Tuesday's report, the most complete account of sexual abuse in the French Catholic Church today was compiled by an independent commissioner at the request of church officials. It follows similar reports from other countries that have dealt a blow to the reputation of the church in recent years. Basically, it goes on and on, but I just want to say this. We've known for years that the Catholic Church has been raping and taking advantage of the children longer than we've known that R. Kelly has been sitting outside of high schools picking up little girls. We have to stop turning a blind eye to the bullshit that goes on. And I'm saying this because it happens in our community too, because it happens in our churches too, because it happens in our schools too. We are dealing with a similar situation to this with Pastor Ricky Rush here in Dallas, Texas. This happens all too often. You're dealing with pastors abusing grown women as well as children. Then you have this in the high schools, in the schools, period. I can account so many teachers talking to me in an inappropriate way as a young girl. And no matter how I chose to look, how I act, how old I um, put off. My age was this age and there is no excuse. We have to stop this. We have to stop looking the other way, making excuses, blaming it on the victims. This story, like I said, it enraged me, but it did not surprise me. This has been going on for so long, but I feel like if you're going to start digging start digging everywhere. Don't just light the Catholic church up. Like go through and investigate every religion, especially the ones we have here, because I feel like I know too many people that have been churched in the church, who have been abused by a pastor, who know a pastor that has been cheating, tricking, doing so many things. I'm not going to get all deep into it, But the thing is, let's not stop at the Catholic Church. Let's dig in. Let's find out what's really going on. And if y'all have some type of feelings about this story or you want to know more about it, you can get in on CNN.com or you can um, email me or get on and record your thoughts and let me know. I'll make sure I play them for everybody.
We're going to keep it rolling and keep it moving. We'll be right back after this commercial. Hello, this is Chef C. Carter. I know you guys have been waiting. I am now accepting booking for private chef opportunity and catering events. Please call me at 214-470-1586 or visit my website at www.chefcarter.com for booking and consultation. And we are back. Okay, y'all. So this next story really falls into the category. So you must think I'm a damn fool. Russia test fires submarine launched hypersonic missile for the first time. They state Moscow, Russia on Monday has successfully test launched a Zircon hypersonic cruise missile from a submarine for the first time. A weapon President Vladimir Putin has looted as a part of a new generation of unrivaled arm system. Let me say that again. A new generation of unrivaled armed systems. The defense military, which tested firing the missile from a warship in July, said that the submarine had fired the missile while deployed in the Barents Sea and had hit its chosen target. Low quality video footage released by the ministry showed the missile shooting upward from a submarine, its glare lighting up the night sky and illuminating the water surface. The test firing of the missile from a nuclear submarine was deemed successful, the ministry said. Some Western experts have questioned how advanced Russia's new generation of weapons is, while recognizing that the combination of speed, maneuverability and altitude of hypersonic missiles makes them difficult to track and intercept. In July, parts of footage showing Russia's advanced new S-500 surface-to-air missile system appeared to have been deliberately blurred to make it harder to examine in detail. Putin announced an array of new hypersonic weapons in 2018 in his most boisterous speech in years saying that they could hit almost any point in the world and evade a u.s built missile shield okay is anybody else worried about this or is it just me how are these people able to do what they're doing Putin is blasting off his mouth about this. And how can how can we feel some type of way? We just had President Trump blasting off his mouth, tweeting, saying all these things. They're not even trying to, I'm not going to even say, I was going to say they're not even trying to move in silence, but truly they are because we have no idea what they really can do. And that should have us shaking in our boots. We need to get ourselves together. These people must think we're damn fools. I don't know where we are with bringing home troops or sending troops over, but we need to get focused and we need to be building, creating, and making shit happen. Let's go. Okay, y'all. So it's been 24 years since Princess Diana's death on August 31st, 1997. It has become clear 
how well she fulfilled that hope to be the queen. In 1995, two years before Diana's death, she died in a car crash in Paris. She said in a TV interview that she'd like to be a queen, but she wasn't talking about the British monarchy into which she'd married. She wanted to be the queen of the people's heart. So CNN is saying that she did this. And I've always wondered because she died when I was so young. So I remember seeing her on TV and things of that nature. Uh, I know that Kristen Stewart, my girl Bella, will be playing her. And I'm excited to see it. My wife gave me a little heads up the other day that she's doing a really good job. She has became Princess Diana. This is my thing. I don't know if I want to see a movie a show or anything about Princess Diana if they're not going to tell the whole truth. That she was cheating with a black man, that he was in that motor vehicle with her when he died. I'm not trying to be disrespectful of the royal family. I'm just saying let's put that shit out there. Nobody wanted to watch a damn movie about Whitney Houston unless you included the crack in Bobby Brown. So you have to be real about it. I feel like when it's about us, it's a demoralizing thing. And they want to tell every little bit, every nook and cranny, everything that happened in our lives. But when they tell the story of a white woman, it's totally different. We have to keep it dainty and clean and nice and not tell everything. Fuck that. Get right down to the true story. Tell me everything that happened. Fill me in on the history or leave it unsaid. It's been unsaid. Everybody knows the truth, but it's been unsaid. Leave it unsaid unless you're going to tell the truth. So there you go. Boom. Okay, y'all. So I get this next story off politico.com. It's P-O-L-I-T-I-C-O.com. Reparations bill tests Biden and Harris on racial justice. The House proposal has been introduced in every Congress for more than three decades and would establish a commission of experts to study direct payments to African-Americans. Yolanda Renee King, granddaughter of Reverend Martin Luther King Jr., raises her fist as she speaks during the March in Washington on August 28, 2020, to promote this bill. President Joe Biden supports the idea behind the bill. Vice President Kamala Harris endorsed it during her time in the Senate, but that might not be enough to get a proposal to study reparations for slavery to Biden's desk this Congress. Despite the enormity of the task behind the legislation known as H.R. 40, named for the 40 acres and a mule, that have come to symbolize the post-Civil War government's failure to help formerly enslaved people. The bill has new political momentum since its last introduction in 2019, when the GOP controlled the White House and Senate. The nationwide protests last summer following George Floyd's killing have raised public awareness of racial injustice and kickstarted a national conversation that advocates for a reparations dialogue see as valuable. What no one knows yet is how committed the White House is to the specific House legislative vehicle, which has been introduced in every Congress for more than de three decades, as I stated before, and would establish a commission of experts to study direct payments to African-Americans. The Senate 
introduced a companion bill for the first time during the 116th Congress promoting a number of presidential candidates, including then California Senator Harris, to throw their support behind it. Biden supported the idea of reparations, studied during his own 2020 presidential bid, but stopped shortly of fully endorsing the legislation itself. His administration did not testify at a Wednesday hearing in the House of Judiciary Committee sub-panel on the reparations measure, and White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki largely reiterated that stance Wednesday while stopping short of full-throated backing for the bill. You guys, this comes as great news to me. I am so appreciative to them for actually trying to give this bill a chance. I don't know if it's actually going to cross over, but it would be so amazing. I spoke about this last week, how this would change everything for our people, how this would set up possible generational wealth for the next generation. I am so excited to see this bill go across. Let's get behind it and do everything we can to make it happen. Rampant issues. Black farmers are still left out at USDA. Black farmers are far far behind in obtaining grants and loans. Analysis of data shows. The Biden administration is trying to make up for decades of racial discrimination in U.S. farm assistance by forgiving loans to farmers of color. But the black farmers and their advocates say that plan, while welcome, won't fix ongoing problems. Agriculture department programs are still biased against them. The agency granted to only 37% of Black applicants last year in one program that helps farmers pay for land, equipment, and repairs, but accepted 71% of applications from white farmers, according to the analysis of the USDA data. In a grant program to help producers weather the coronavirus pandemic, farmers of color receive less than 1% of the payments, even though they are 5% of all U.S. farmers. In addition to forgiving debt, advocates for Black farmers want the administration to address barriers such as loan terms that favor large wealthy farms, a complex application process, and poor service and inequity at local USDA offices. This data affirms that what other elder farmers have been saying about the U.S. Department of Agriculture for decades, said Tracy Lloyd McCurdy, executive director of the Black Belt Justice Center, a legal advocacy nonprofit that represents Black farmers. It reveals the abysmal failures of previous legal settlements in dismantling pervasive racial discrimination, she said. How the administration approaches USDA lending will be a major test whether President Joe Biden can make good on his broader pledge to combat racial discrimination. The plan to use $4 billion from the recent coronavirus aid package to forgive loans to farmers of color is now tied up in legal challenge challenges filed by white farmers. But even if USDA prevails in court, Agriculture Secretary Tom Vizlak will still face the onerous task of overhauling entrenched practices and convincing black farmers and their advocates that change has come. You have to go through this to 
show us that change has come because usually change has not come. They have given $4 billion to black farmers to help them change, but it's all tied up in court. This definitely falls under y'all must think I'm a goddamn fool. How is it anytime we are awarded something, there's so much red tape to even get close enough to it to achieve it that we usually give up before we can get there. Anytime there's any help awarded, it's never made readily available to us. I am so tired of fighting. We must stand up. We must speak. We must vote because that is where change can be made in the polls. If we stand up, if we vote, we must make a change. We must stand up. This is the difference between us getting that organic food that I talked about last week, that healthy food that we need versus that GM old food that we don't need. We need black farmers. We need them. We need our people providing food for our people. Stand up. I love you guys. And it has been such a pleasure to provide you with the news tonight. Stay focused. Stay woke. I'd like to leave you guys with my favorite quote. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. This quote comes from Mary Ann Williamson. And it's the truth. It's what I live by. As Black people, we must stand up, power up, and become our real selves. Follow the light. Find it. I'm trying to show you. It's your girl, Miss Show Me the Light, and I'm out this piece.